Good afternoon. Yay. Oh my goodness. How are you? Thank you so much for joining me again for the next episode of Five on Kieran Island again. Wowzers. What chapter are we on? We are on chapter 14. Oh, and it's called A Shock for George. I don't know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. It doesn't sound very good, does it? A Shock for George. And if you recall, they're all with Martin spending the afternoon with him. And he's just asked where Timmy is. So, chapter 14. A shock for George. Dick looked at George. He didn't think it would matter telling Martin where Timmy was, so long as George didn't give the reason why he had been left on the island. But George was going to hold her tongue now. She looked at Martin and spoke quite airily. Oh, Timmy, we left him behind today. He's all right. Gone out shopping with your mother, I suppose, hoping for a visit to the butchers, said Martin. This was the first joke he had ever made to the children, and though it was rather a feeble one, they all laughed heartily. Martin looked pleased. He began to try and think of another little joke, while his deft hands put reds and blues and greens on the little wooden figures. They all had a huge tea. Then, when the clock said a quarter to six, the girls carried the painted figures carefully back to the Coast Guard, who was delighted with them. Dick took back the little tins of paint and the brush stuck in a jar of turpentine. <gasps> well, now, he's clever, that boy, isn't he? said the Coast Guard, eyeing, eyeing the figures in delight. Looks sort of miserable and sulky, but he's not a bad sort of boy. I'll just have one more squint through your telescope, said George, before it gets too dark. She tilted it towards her island, but once more there was no sign of Timmy or of her father either. She looked for some time and then went to join the others. She shook her head as they raised their eyebrows inquiringly. They wish what wished? They washed up the tea things and cleared away neatly. Nobody felt as if they wanted to wait and see Mr Curtin. They didn't feel as if they liked him very much, now they knew how hard he was on Martin. Thanks for a lovely afternoon, said Martin, limping to the door with them. I enjoyed my spot of painting, to say nothing of your company. You stick out for your painting, said Julian. If it's the thing you've got to do, and you know it, you must go all out for it. See? Yes, yeah, said Martin, and his face went sullen again. But there are things that make it difficult. Things I can't very well tell you. Oh, oh well, never mind. I dare say it will all come right one day and I'll be a famous artist with pictures in the academy. Come on quickly, said Dick in a low voice to Julian. There's his father coming back. They hurried off down the cliff path, seeing Mr Curtin out of the corner of their eyes, coming up the other path. Horrid man, 
said Anne, forbidding Martin to do what he really longs to do. And he seemed so nice and jolly and all over us, didn't he? Very all over us, said Dick, smiling at Anne's new word. But there are a lot of people like that. One thing at home and quite another outside. I hope Mr Curtin hasn't been trying to explore that passage in the side of the quarry, said George, looking back and watching the man walk up to his back door. It would be too bad if he butted in and spoilt our fun. I mean, there may be nothing to discover at all. But it will be fun even finding there is nothing. <laughs> Very involved, said Dick with a grin, but I gather what you mean. I say, that was a good tea though, wasn't it? Yes, said George, looking all around her in an absent-minded manner. What's up, said Dick? What are you looking like that for? Oh, how silly of me. I was just looking for Timmy, said George. You know, I'm so used to him always being at my heels or somewhere near that I just can't get used to him not being here. Yes, I feel a bit like that too, said Julian, as if there was something missing all the time. Good old Tim. We shall miss him awfully, all of us, but you most of all, George. Yeah, especially on my bed at night, said George. I shan't be able to sleep for ages and ages. I'll wrap a cushion up in a rug and plonk it down on your feet when you're in bed, said Timmy. Said Dick. Then it will feel like Timmy. It won't. Don't be silly, said George rather crossly. And anyway, it wouldn't smell like him. He's got a lovely smell. Yes, a Timmy smell, agreed Anne. I like it too. The evening went very quickly, playing the endless game of Monopoly again. Julian lay in bed later, watching for his uncle's signal. Needless to say, George was at the window too. They waited for half past ten. Now, said Julian, and just as he spoke, there came the first flash from the lantern in the tower. One, counted George, two, three, four, five, six. She waited anxiously to see if there were any more, but there weren't. Now you can go to bed in peace, said Julian to George. Your father is all right, and that means that Timmy is all right too. Probably he has remembered to give Timmy a good supper and has had some as himself as well. Well, Timmy would soon remind him if he forgot to feed him. That's one thing, said George, slipping out of the room. Good night, Dick. Good night, Ju. See you in the morning. And back she went to her own bed and snuggled down under the covers. It was strange not to have Timmy on her feet. She tossed about for a while, missing him, and then fell asleep quite suddenly. She dreamt of her island. She was there with Timmy, and they were discovering ingots of gold down in the dungeon. Oh, what a lovely dream. Next morning dawned bright and sunny again. The April sky was as blue as the forget-me-nots coming out in the garden. George gazed out of the dining room window at breakfast time, wondering if Timmy was running around her island. 
dreaming about Tim, said Julian with a laugh. Never mind, you'll soon see him, George. Another hour or so and you'll feast your eyes on him through the Coast Guard's telescope. Do you really think you'll be able to make out Tim if he's in the tower with your father at half past ten? asked her mother. I shouldn't have thought you would be able to. Yes, I shall, mother, it said George. It's a very powerful telescope, you know. I'll just go up and make my bed and then I'll go up the cliff path. Anyone else coming? Right, well, I want Anne to help me with some um, tidying up, said her mother. I'm looking out for some old clothes to give to the vicar's wife for her jumble sale. You don't mind helping me, Anne, do you? No, I'd like to, said Anne at once. What are the boys going to do? Oh, I think I must do a bit of my holiday schoolwork this morning, said Julian with a sigh. Oh, I don't want to, but I've kept on putting it off. You'd better do some too, Dick. You know what that what you are. You'll leave it all to the last day if you're not careful. Oh, all right, I'll do some too, said Dick. You won't mind scooting up to the Coast Guard's cottage alone, will you, George? Not a bit, said George. I'll come back just after half past ten as soon as I've spotted Timmy and father. She disappeared to make her bed. Julian and Dick went to fetch some books and Anne went to make her bed too and then came down to help her aunt. In a few minutes, George yelled goodbye and rushed out of the house. Oh, what a hurricane, said her mother. It seems as if George never walks if she can possibly run. Now, Anne, put the clothes in three piles, the very old, the not so old and the quite nice. Just before half past ten, Julian went up to his window to watch for the signal from his uncle. He waited patiently. A few seconds after the half hour, the flashes came. One, two, three, four, five, six. Good. Now, perhaps George would settle down for the day. Maybe they could go to the quarry in the afternoon. Dick went back to his books and was soon buried in them, with Dick grunting by his side. At about five minutes to eleven, there was the sound of running feet and panting breath. George appeared at the door of the sitting room, where the two boys were doing their work. George was red in the face, and her hair was wind-blown. She fought to get her breath enough to speak. Julian! Dick! Something's happened! Timmy wasn't there! What do you mean? said Julian in surprise. George slumped down on a chair, still panting. The boys could see she was trembling too. It's serious, Julian. I tell you, Timmy wasn't in the tower when the signals came. Well, it only means that your absent-minded father forgot to take him up with him, said Julian in his most sensible voice. What did you see? Well... I had my eye glued to the telescope, said George, and suddenly I saw someone come into the little glass room at the top. I looked for Timmy, of course, at once, but I tell you, he wasn't there. The six flashes came, the man disappeared, and that was all. No, Timmy. 
Oh, I do feel so dreadfully worried, Julian. Well, don't be, said Julian soothingly. Honestly, I'm sure that's what's happened. Your forgot father forgot about Timmy. Anyway, if you saw him, obviously things are all right. I'm not thinking about father, cried George. He must be all right if he flashed his signals. I'm thinking about Timmy. Why, even if father forgot to take him, he'd go with him. You know that. Well, your father might have shut the door at the bottom and prevented Timmy from going up, said Dick. Ah, oh, he might, said George, frowning. She hadn't thought of that. Oh, dear, now I shall worry all day long. Why didn't I stay with Timmy? What shall I do now? Wait until tomorrow morning, said Dick. Then probably you'll see old Tim all right. Tomorrow morning? Why, that's ages away, said poor George. She put her head in her hands and groaned. Oh, nobody understands how much I love Timmy. You would perhaps if you had a dog of your own, Julian. It's an awful feeling, really. Oh, Timmy, are you all right? Of course he's all right, said Julian impatiently. Please pull yourself together, George. I feel as if something's wrong, said George, looking obstinate. Julian, I think I'd better go across to the island. No, said Julian at once. Don't be idiotic, George. Nothing is wrong except your father is forgetful. He sent his OK signal. That's enough. You're not to go and create a scene over there with him. That would be disgraceful. Well, I'll try and be patient, said George unexpectedly. Hmm. She's not usually that meek, but she got up looking worried. Julian spoke in a kinder voice. Come on, cheer up, old thing. You do like to go off at the deep end, don't you? Hmm. Well, why do you think she was so calm when she said, OK? I think she's got a little plan. And what could that plan be? Hmm. <laughs> anyway, maybe we'll find out tomorrow. So, a um, little bit worrying, isn't it, that Timmy wasn't there? But as long as she saw her father... <gasps> Was it her father? Ooh, things are getting mysterious. So, you're going to join me tomorrow and hopefully find out more? I hope so. <laughs> I will see you all again tomorrow. But until then, take care and stay safe. See you all tomorrow. Bye for now.